The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. And hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show, where we're fresh off. No, that was like a couple days ago, I guess the PlayStation showcase was, but we're fresh off the excitement of it. So we're still very excited about that. I just read the words I put in front of me. I don't know what's really happening. Uh, I'm joined this week by Brian Altano. Beyond. Lucy O'Brien. Beyond. And special guest Matt Perslow. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, it's good to be here. I go, I'm it. not qualified to say, say beyond, it. am I? Beyond? beyond? Yes. beyond? Have, yeah, I, I just set that up today. We don't always do that, by the way. You can just say what you can just say I. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm just a sheep. I, I just say whatever Brian says. I screwed it all up, really, for everybody. Either way, beyond. We're, yeah, we're, we're sheep. If Brian says unlocked, then we just all say it. It just happens, right? I now. would never. No, I, <laughs> I, I love them over there. They're wonderful people. They're wonderful people. And uh, we, speaking of, we have the weirdest blurring of the lines in quite some time uh, where we're talking about a PlayStation 5. I'm, I'm leaning out of frame. I apologize. Talking about a PlayStation 5 console exclusive published by Microsoft because of the Bethesda ownership. So we're in a weird place, but we're going to be talking all about Deathloop, uh, which Matt reviewed and and all of us to varying degrees have been playing. Uh, some of us have some questions for Matt. Some of us have some thoughts on the game. And we'll jump into that uh, as well as a few other things. Just also wanted to uh, say thank you to everyone who joined us last week for the live episode, uh, which was filmed right after the big PlayStation showcase. Uh, we did have to cut things short, so I apologize to everyone who tuned in live uh, technical difficulties. Somehow, uh, half the Bay Area just like lost Wi-Fi at the same time. And so we had a few problems there, but thank you to everyone who joined. Apologies if I sounded like a robot at times because of the technical difficulties, but uh, it was a really fun show. We've got a little bit of follow-up from that showcase, some things to talk about. But I think first, uh, we should dive into Deathloop which is currently available for PS5 and PC. Uh, We're not going to get too deep into story spoilers or anything. Uh, So if you haven't picked up the game yet or you don't have a PS5 as they're still difficult to get, uh, don't worry, we're we're not going to spoil too much of the experience or anything. Uh, Anything that's in trailers or a review is fair game. Uh, And speaking of the review, Matt, I want to start with you. Obviously, people can go check out your review on IGN and YouTube. Uh, but you really, really love Deathloop, and I can see why already from a little bit of playing, but do you want to give people just sort of like your top-level thoughts from your review of what you thought of Deathloop? Sure. Like, I think if anybody's already seen that review, it got a 10, which obviously we don't hand out, like, candy or cookies, right? So I consider it probably Arkane's best game that they've ever made, you know, a company that have made some shockingly good games over the times. Um, but a a beautifully designed, incredibly confident 
multi-layered kind of systems game that's all about being stuck in a time loop and it's a time loop unlike any other that i've ever seen in a game and the way that it uses that to encourage you to play in all manner of different forms i think is just absolutely astonishing it um yeah your your review got me so excited this is a game i think that you know our audience and i think it's fair to say from all of us we were getting a little bit of fatigue just of the fact that it was at every single showcase and state of play we were getting trailer after trailer and i think we've said on the show pretty much like we just want to play the game now we we get how cool it looks we just want to jump in and uh your review was really really exciting to get to read and i i encourage everyone who whether they're jumping into the game or not to to go check it out uh and i'm really glad you got to do it because you're also a huge arcane fan correct you you're a big fan of their previous work yeah, I've been playing their games for not quite the 20 years that they've been around, but my first game with them would have been uh, Dark Messiah Might and Magic, released back in 2006, I think, which was kind of famous for having a really, really good kick, and they finally bought it back for Deathloop. If you like kicking things and watching men kind of, like, tumble off cliffs into, like, icy depths and stuff like that, there's a lot of that in this game as well. But um, Dishonored is obviously the the games that they're probably most famous for. And I think if you like Dishonored, there's a lot of that in this game. But Dishonored is obviously a very, very stealth-focused game. And all of that stealth focus is kind of here. But it's definitely a first-person shooter as well with really, really good guns. So kind of like that whole idea of play your own style. Do you want to be stealth or do you want to be a bit more aggressive? The aggression in Deathloop is dialed up to like 15 yeah, there's no, um, f- for some people I know, it, it throws some people off of Dishonored. There's no sort of karma meter here, correct? You, you... No, yeah. So the beauty of kind of the time loop is that everybody's going to come back the next day. So you don't really need to worry about the fact that like your morality is encouraging you to knock people out and hide their bodies in a cupboard and hope that they'll wake up in kind of like four hours and be absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody on the island basically hates you. You hate everybody. So just stab them in the back until they disappear. Like, absolutely, that's the way to go. Um, And so, yeah, it does make that. I think the thing with Dishonored is because because a lot of people want to stay with that morality meter and stay very quiet. It actually stops you from engaging in a lot of that game systems. Like there are some incredible things that you can do in Dishonored that require you to kind of get a bit more nasty with the enemies. And so most people, you know, that want to stick to that stealth will just knock them out and hide them and don't engage with any of this. Deathloop is very much a big part of this goes, hey, you're never going to be punished for being like creative and expressive in this game. So absolutely have at it, like throw people in the air and gun them down like they're clay pigeons. You know, like, and that's kind of like the start of a huge kind of open, very kind of experimental system that this game encourages you to use. Yeah, there was, um, I, I saw a screenshot from the game going around because there will be sort of like superimposed text around the world as you go. And, and people were like, if you were worried this was going to be just a purely stealth game and, and some of the text that pops up is like, kill every mother effer, uh, I'm, I'm censoring for the good of the, the kids. And uh, it it's just like, oh yeah, you can just go all in, all out, but you can also stealth around and there's a, there's a lot uh, of that interplay that so far, at least from my experience, has been really fun um, to to mess with and experiment with. Uh, but before I before I throw the rest of the cast, I did want to also mention one of the things that complicates that is the the really unique sort of multiplayer spin of this, where uh, you're typically playing as Colt, or you can jump into another person's game, or other people can jump into your game as Juliana, who who is hunting down Colt on the island. Uh, how much uh, time did you get to spend with that mechanic uh, for your review, and how much have you spent with, and like what do you think of it in, in general? Mm-hmm. 
So up to the review, kind of like that was the last piece of the kind of game that we were allowed to start uh, playing with. So I think by the time I'd done the review, I'd maybe kind of like done four or five hours, kind of like jumping into people's games. It's all basically I've done for about another 10 hours since. Um, It's a very Moorish kind of PvP activity. Um, If anybody's played Dark Souls and kind of the invasion mode in that, that's sort of what it's riffing on. But whereas Dark Souls is kind of about setting up kind of like those master duels with someone else and kind of seeing who's the best kind of swordsman or axeman or you know magic fighter um deathloop is much more about cat and mouse like setting up ambushes using the map knowledge that you've learned over kind of like playing through that campaign um and knowing kind of like where your target's probably going to be because if you jump into a specific time of day in a specific area of the island you kind of know what the cult in that island in that section of the game is probably doing they've probably got their eyes on this target and because you know you might have finished the game before you might have done that section before you can run there you've already learned the secret pathways to get there and you start setting up ambushes but when it all kicks off it's like it's so much fun and even when you lose there's still a lot of kind of gratification out of it and you know, kind of like, yeah, you didn't live to see another day, but you might have got in a few hits, which gives you some points. And that eventually unlocks far more guns for Juliana and kind of like also new wardrobe looks for both of the characters. So yeah, it's kind of an anecdote generator is kind of probably what it is, but there's also kind of a lot of kind of things to say like, look, we're going to reward you because you were really smart at killing him this time. Yeah, it's. Uh, I haven't jumped into that side of it yet, mostly because I fear I'm not going to be a good enough Juliana just yet. I feel like I feel like I need a, a little bit more uh, familiarity with the world. But that that's what's so great about this game so far to me is that it really it, it both tells you this, but uh, it's very true that knowledge is like your best weapon with this game. Knowing the world, knowing how the characters are going to be operating within that time of day, is so tremendously important to know uh, versus you know, purely what gun you have, though that can be very helpful, but it's like knowing your options can be so much more, uh, which is really, really cool. Um, I do want to sort of throw to everyone else. Uh, Lucy, I want to start with you because I know you've played a bit, but you also have some questions for Matt <laughs> about some Yeah, of the well, I mean, for everyone listening, just, just sort of think of me as like a very dumb idiot that <laughs> started the game and doesn't really have much of an idea like I I I was saying um Matt I did read your wonderful review but I didn't really read much else like I I I haven't I haven't gone deep into the mechanics of Deathloop because I wanted it to be fresh when I jumped into the game so I'm about I would say I've played about four hours um and I've just come out of what could be described as a, a sort of a quite lengthy tutorial into the more uh you can do whatever you want kind of uh, instruction from the game. And so, okay, these are my questions, right? So obviously you have to kill eight targets. That's the fundamental goal of the game. You've got to kill eight targets. You have to kill them all, as I understand, within a single loop. Mm -hmm. That's That's the one. Okay. So all of the loops that you go through, you're just learning more about what those targets are doing within any given moment and then you mix and match when you're going to jump into those areas at what type of day i'm just trying to understand the end end goal here and then ultimately you have got a massive like almost like death star game plan 
and that you try and execute at sort of near near end game. Is that right? Is am mm. I correct? Yeah, you're you're pretty much bang on the money. But like the structure is really interesting because it's both very complex, but also it does have like a layer that simplifies it out. So. I think anybody that kind of knows this idea of like, you've got to kill eight targets to break this kind of time loop, but they're so spread out over the island and not just the island, but like these time periods, because mm -hmm. the way that it works is, I think a lot of people might be kind of worried that you've got like 20 minutes to do all of this in like you do in Outer Wilds. It's not the day is split into four individual segments. So you've got morning, noon, afternoon, and evening. And you go into the first segment and you can stay in mourning for as long as you want to get all the things you need done. And then when you're ready to progress, it'll then go to afternoon. But things change and that changes the way that all the maps do. And you can only ever go to one of the four districts on the island in a time period. So you couldn't, if there were three things in the morning to do, you can only choose to do one of them because you can only go to one district. Now that sounds like you've got to kind of spend an awful lot of time like replaying those four segments over and over to figure out, well, how exactly do I do all eight of these targets in one day? Um, it's much more objective kind of based than that. You are actually following a storyline in the way that kind of Dishonored does, but whereas Dishonored is taking you from level to level to level and they're always different and those targets are always different. This storyline is just zipping you from time period back and forth around the island to the point where it's actually probably better to think of this more as a Metroidvania game. But whereas kind of like those sort of games, you get like, let's say halfway through the game and you'd find a key. And it's like, now you can go back to that first area that we were in back at the start of the game. And now that door will unlock. Think of Deathloop more as like you'll get halfway through the game and you'll get a piece of information that might say, Remember that door that was in the morning, but it's now the evening and that door you've never been able to get into. When the day starts again, it's going to be morning again and that area is going to be open for you to go into it. And now you've got this key code that's going to let you in that door and there's going to be something in there that helps you understand how all this puzzle gets fit together. So the smarts are kind of orchestrated by the game to make sure that you never veer off the path and you've never you're never sat there thinking, how on earth do I fit this? There's always something that helps guide you. But the way it does that still enables you to feel very smart about the way you did it. Interesting. Okay, so my question then would be, and, and you've, you've helped me understand it a little better, but my, my question would be like, are you at, do you get to a point where it's like, right, I've got all the knowledge I need to attempt to like kill all these people in one during one loop and if so like how many tries did it take you to do that once you were confident that you had everything that you needed so the the kind of beauty of the fact that like it's got really well-defined characters is that you don't play a silent protagonist like colt actually has a voice and when you've got all the information you need to do like colt will literally say to himself like i understand how this all fits together now so that's kind of your cue to go and do it by that point, you're basically John Wick with superpowers. Like it's not, it's not difficult to kind of do what you want. It might be difficult to do it exactly the way you want. So I've been playing it quite a lot since I roll credits on it, just because I want that final loop to be perfect. And there is kind of like, you know, a, a trophy reward for being able to do the entire game with only killing the targets and never touching anybody else in the maps. And kind of that's my current kind of like gold standard at the moment not managed it but 
learning new tricks each time you do the loop and go like oh wait like this route that i was doing like i've done seven times now that i was always never quite sure about actually if i just go to the entire other side of this district there's a secret entrance in to go exactly where i'm trying to go and now suddenly this loop is a little bit more perfect than the one before and so kind of like that almost works as an end game like yes i've already seen the ending and i don't need to follow on with the story but it's almost like this end game scenario now where it's just i want perfection and i want to experiment and i want to find new builds new reasons to use guns with different powers and so i'm just playing that final loop over and over this episode of podcast beyond is brought to you by nordvpn a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half-Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. That's that's really cool that that end game aspect has been working for you like that because yeah I was a little worried I've gotten through uh finding out how to kill two of the eight visionaries and have like leads on maybe how to combine some of them in the future 
Uh, but I was like, oh, am I just blowing through this too quickly? But it is that thing of like, you, you can arguably jump into a time of day, go kill a vis visionary very quickly and get it over with. But there's so much more to understand about the world and to learn and to uh, power up your your cult and, and to be able to get things to a point where you feel like you can juggle multiple targets, I think, in one run. Uh, one of the cool things, I don't think it's a huge spoiler, but like you get the powers every time you, when you kill these visionaries that are very Dishonored-like or, or their past uh, Arcane's past powers. But you, if you go back and re-kill those visionaries on another day, you can power up those powers. Uh, so it's it's worthwhile to almost keep doing it a little bit repetitively. Um, mm -hmm. I found there's there's that kind of thing where uh, probably the first time you find the visionary where they are won't ultimately be where you want to kill them because they're just not in the right place. Right, that's the the aim of the game is to shift them places where they are. But there is that incentive to like, oh well, I'll I'll go back and kill them today because I've got the time. I don't I don't necessarily need to do anything at this time of day, so I've got the time to go and kill them. As you say, each time you re-pick up their, their superpower, which is kind of called a slab, um, it will be a new kind of variation on that power, and you get to fit those together and realize, okay, this power did this before, but now this power does something slightly different. But hold on, that actually works really well with the way I've got this gun calibrated, or it could work well with a gun if I can find this modification that will calibrate it to do this. And it's all like it's such a game of cause and effect where one domino ticks over, and in your mind you're like, "Wait, this is a jigsaw puzzle, and I can see the piece I'm missing." So I'm now going to spend, you know, an hour of my day kind of figuring out how to find that last piece. You know how there are those insane people called I think they're called like one bros who go through from software games without leveling up, so they just mm -hmm. stay on like <laughs> they just stay on level one, and like their whole goal is to just make it as impossible for them as as is possible mm -hmm. um could you play deathloop with just a machete and just like play it that way and your little kick <laughs> yeah. do you think that's humanly possible because i know that arcane is very very big on if you think you can do it you can probably do it mm -hmm. so i think one of the wonderful things about this is like the arcane is for as, for as far as I'm concerned, like masters of level design, there are things mm -hmm. in there that like every time you come back to an arcane level, you're discovering something new. And uh, when I was doing some work as Juliana and I was stalking a character through an area, because I was looking up a lot more, I realized there are, there are just kind of like all of these hidey holes up here that have also got routes through to different rooms that I didn't realize were there before. And suddenly you're realizing like, wait, to go here, here, and here, I would normally have used... And the teleportation power, which is kind of like bought over from Dishonored. But if I don't have that, I can actually use these things that I can jump up to. So suddenly you realize that there are myriads of routes that run through all of these areas, which then you're like, okay, if I don't need powers to do it, do I really need weapons? Because I could just use the machete and sneak up on someone. And as long as I've learned all of the routes uh, that the AI patrols are on, which then as stealth games tend to be, they're always a little bit dumber than you expect because the whole idea is you're supposed to master those patrols. And as long as they're easy to remember, then that makes the stealth kind of fairly satisfying. Once you've learned all of that and know where people are standing and they stand in the same point every time because it's just the same day looping over, then you can master the level. Then you could get through with just the kick and the machete. Uh, I mean, I could never, but I love that that's a possibility. <laughs> that was, my, my girlfriend was watching me play last night and she was like, so could you have technically, you know, the first loop that you go through, do you think you would be able to, like when the game lets you, 
could you have killed them all perfectly on your first go? And I'm like, there's probably some way some amazing player is going to figure out how to do that. That person is not me. But like, so I can't wait to watch that speed run. <laughs> you can never do it on the first run. I will say uh, that okay. because there is a, the campaign is designed that you will never be able to get um, the people in the right places until you've played through the storyline because the events that happen in that story uh, will help you. So it's not a, you know, these wonderful players that can do like Hades, they're, they're able to do it on a single run and it's like the first time they've ever played it. You'll never be able to do that because this is fundamentally a, a campaign-based game. It just uses a time loop structure to kind of like fit its components together. Yeah, that that totally makes sense. And speaking to what you were saying earlier, like I was worried going into the game that it was going to be too open and I was going to feel lost uh, going into it, but you, there is enough structure to it and there is enough like, objective-based goals in the game that it really feels like you're you're never at a loss for at least where to go next at, at a given point of time. Uh, Brian, I know you didn't get to play as much um, and only got to jump in for a little while, uh, but I guess, do you have any questions for Matt or do you have any like initial impressions from what you were playing that you wanted to share? Um, I, I will say that I've only played about an hour so far and I'm really impressed with the, uh, this is very odd, but like the architecture and sort of, uh, interior design of the game, which I, I don't think gets enough credit in video games. Um, it, I'm for, for transparency, I've been playing a lot of like big, dumb, loud, stupid games this year. And they've been scratching a specific itch where I just kind of want to turn my brain off and play an open world game and blow stuff up. I played a bunch of Far Cries. I've been playing the Saints Row games. This is causing me to completely recalibrate my mind and approach th this game in a completely different perspective than I played anything else this, else this year. And I, I appreciate the hell out of it for that because it is, it's, it's using parts of my brain that I haven't used in a while. And I think it's like, this is a fascinatingly ambitious concept for a video game. The fact that this has been in you know, uh, like three years worth of events at this point, And we just had to spend another 15 minutes kind of drilling down on what exactly it is doing. And I think even to the people who are totally locked in on, on, on how this game works, when they buy it, they're still going to be kind of like, oh, oh, okay, I get it. So it's like this. Um, I, I appreciate the hell out of the fact that this is a game that uh, on, on a pitch level probably confused many people in the room and i think to this day it's going to be a tough sell for a lot of people i think it'll do well and i think it'll find its audience for sure this is coming from a studio that hasn't necessarily you know had multi-platinum hits every single time they put out a new game but i'm i'm just so glad that they were able to do something this weird and avant-garde and get it out there because it's 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 really isn't like anything else i've seen before and digging into it more and playing it more. And Matt, what you were talking about of sort of starting to look up a little bit and then realizing, oh yeah, like I don't have to be, you know, crouched around on the floor with a little knife for this entire game. I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, double jump onto this car. I'm gonna climb up over here, go over there and start to uh, analyze things from different perspectives. You know, I, I, I had a lot of time, uh, fun just kind of like throwing beer bottles at people's heads from 500 feet in the air and then seeing what they would do and how they would tell their friends and then where I would go from there. Uh, and there's a lot of just like really interesting sort of uh, sci-fi design philosophy behind a lot of the stuff that's happening here. I really like, I mean, we, we've seen the sort of, you know, Groundhog Day, you know, uh, Edge of Tomorrow uh, idea in a lot of video games, a lot of media, but I love the idea of like you die and you come back and your body is floating in sort of like force ghost hologram form of where you last left it 
I dig all that. I, I like, I think like video games have experimented with stuff like that. You know, even if you think back to like Mario Kart 64 had like ghosts of like your previous tracks and stuff like that to go back to a level and you're like, oh, that's exactly where I died. I can see I got blown backwards through this thing over here. I got definitely got shot in the face. It's a first person game. So I didn't know exactly how that happened in the moment, but now I get to see it is really, really smart. Um, there's so much, so much here that I love. Um, unfortunately, about an hour into my game, the game hard crashed. So I'm excited to get back in there and, and try again. Hopefully they, you know, uh, kind of iron out some of the technical issues so far. But other than that, it felt really rock solid. The voice acting is really fun and campy. The, the design is, is gorgeous. The guns seem really special and unique and... Yeah, I'm I'm just so happy this game exists. It's it's also like Jonathan, you alluded to it before. It's bizarre that this this is like this weird holdover in this custody battle between Microsoft <laughs> and Sony and Bethesda and all this other stuff. But eventually everyone will get to play this game. If you only have a PS5 right now, uh, I urge you to look into it. If you're waiting for it to come to Game Pass, do that too. But man, this is a super cool, super unique game. And I was I was like kind of whatever on, on what it was i think i got fatigued by it and i read your review matt and i was like oh man like that was i think everyone at ign was kind of like oh yeah Deathloop looks cool and then it was like we're giving it a 10 oh we don't do that very often oh <laughs> shit here we go <laughs> yeah. you know i think and it was all of a sudden it was all hands on deck so yeah pay attention to this one i think that this is like just bouncing off what you said this is one of those games where i would have loved to have seen just how broken it was in development <laughs> Yep. Because when you think about all of the systems at play and how deeply mathematical those systems are, if one little thing is broken in that like incredibly complex web, I just I, I can't even fathom what that and how frustrating that would have been to the developers, where it's just like one little you know hair in the matrix because it is. This, the systems, and this is, again, what Arcane is so good at, why I just typically loved every single one of their games, is, like, his systems are just working at a level that is so above any, anything else that I, that I generally play. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, and, and you can play, it's so, it is, I find it to be quite accessible in terms of, I don't want to speak to, you know, how accessible it is for, uh, for players with disabilities, but in terms of, like, skill level, uh, you, for able-bodied people, um, you know, you can be not great at video games and still tear through Dishonored and still finish, you know, like, like, like you've been dragged through a bush backwards and kind of like panting and, and bloody, but you can still finish the game. And I, I love it, but, but you could also just be like the sort of a ninja, yeah. you know, and, and, and just be like the silent assassin and, and, and execute all these incredibly elegant uh scenarios uh where you know all of your enemies die in spectacular fashion like i just i just love that there are so many ways in which you can play an arcane game like i desperately love that and that's what it excites me so much about this game and i really want to talk to the devs behind it to mm -hmm. <laughs> you know talk about their process because i'm sure at one stage they were probably like god what the hell this game is entirely broken what? i mean that, that must have happened <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, so like, I guess the like my like grunting caveman translation of what you just said, Lucy, is that you can play this dumb if you want to. You like, can, you, you can totally be like, absolutely. 
And it, but it it, re, it rewards playing it differently than that. And I think that what my, and I've said this for years, but one of my favorite things about stealth games is when you go in with the best laid plans and you're meticulous and, you know, you're, you know, skirting around in the shadows and stuff like that. And then you're an idiot and you trip a wire or some somebody gets pissed off. And then, well, you shoot the wrong, yeah, you shoot, you shoot the gun wrong guy. instead of like, you know what I mean? Like that's so I, I did a lot of that in this game because there's a lot of like, okay, so there's there's dual wielding, and then there's like, you know, you have your your knife is up here on R1, and then your gun's over here. And so there was a couple times where I was just like, oh, oops, nail gun to the guy's face. Um, but what this game does, and which is you know something I don't really have to recalibrate after playing something like Far Cry, is that when you go in and you're like, I'm gonna do this, and you're doing really well, but then you screw up, it gives you a lot of um sort of wiggle room to save your ass which i mm. i think is i think is great i love i love stealth games where you can go in and i think some of like the really early splinter cell games didn't really have this right like you had to be your gun was you know deliberately this weak little pop gun you had a soda can you could throw at some some of the men that was about it but the the later they got the more it sort of rewarded like okay i have a plan it fell apart now I'm going to go guns out. Now I'm going to go crazy. And that's where, like, I mean, you've seen a lot of the footage of, like, you know, a player shoots a vending machine and a bunch of, like, gumballs fall out and stuff like that. That's when the game gets, like, very comical and slapstick. I love that shit. That yeah. stuff is so good. Yeah. No, I, I love it. And I also love that, like, I'm the same as you, Altano. I'm thinking about, like, the first sort of 20 minutes of this game when I'm actually in an area where there are enemies. Basically, if you'd have seen me from third person, I was crouch crab walking <laughs> mm -hmm. and then blew myself up. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's yep. just like, it just, it is like <laughs> absolute idiocy. But then you start to get used to it and you start to get used to the, you know, it, it has a very, it's got a nice learning curve where you can get over that, uh, that fumbly idiocy fairly quickly. I, I find that those moments to be the like the funniest moments in video games. Better than anything that is deliberately written as a joke is any <laughs> game where you are supposed to be sneaky and quasi-serious and you do something so monumentally stupid that you can't help but just cackle and run away full speed. Like I, 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 there was, there's in the first area in the game, there's just like 20 people standing outside of the library and they're all just hanging out. And I was just like, I threw a beer bottle. I was like, Hey, and all of a sudden they're like, what the hell? And you know, it felt like you just threw an egg at like a, a keg party or something. And every, all the jocks got in their car to kill you. That's and you're running like. away and you're still crouching and you're yeah. like, shit, shit, shit. Don't that up. There's a, there's a big, like rocket sort of thing attached to a truck in that first area mm -hmm. up Don, mm -hmm. and i was i saw like the it, it was attached by like some wiring and i'm like oh maybe i should shoot the wiring and see if i can like split it off and let it fall apart and i had a shotgun out for some reason so I'm like i'm gonna blast this gear and <laughs> i thought i was far enough away from all those people by the library i was not and suddenly like 12 red exclamation points pinged around me <laughs> and i was just like get on the rooftops go 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 and then there were like three guys on a rooftop fixing or like hacking into something and then i was like I'm just gonna back away slowly mm -hmm. you didn't see me yeah it's it, the the game allows for all of that stuff but it also allows for uh to match us to circle back to what you're saying like to figure out and to learn and to elegantly pull off these things and to realize the paths that you didn't know previously so that now that i know that area that i freaked out when i accidentally shot a gun i know three more different escape routes if i ever do anything mm -hmm. in that area now because i've been through it a couple times it's um, it's very mm -hmm. like sort of rube gold Goldbergian, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, you have these like kind of domino machines that set off chain reactions with each other. It's yeah, it's super fun.
you, you can set off so much and it's it's really really fun and and matt just to sort of sum things up to to your point uh as well of just like this speaking to uh arcane's history you you've also uh written in, in vo vo to piece that we published a little while back on ign but it's a sort of a history of arcane uh and and the the sort of ups and downs of you know pretty critically acclaimed games but not always the best selling games but how they continue to refine and really really define the immersive sim genre in a really really cool way um so i i encourage people to go check that out but uh just before we wrap up and move on any other closing thoughts uh, about it that you want to make sure people know uh from your review or just your time playing since i just think one of the things i'd like to say is it sounds incredibly complicated and i think that it might be a game that people think oh too much for me just think about how complicated something like Far Cry is or how complicated Assassin's Creed is. When I think about the idea of like someone coming to games for the first time, sitting down with those games, it's insane how complicated those games are. Like People play really, really complex, intricate games and don't even realize it. And we can sit here and talk about how Galaxy Brain Arcane is, and, and they are. They are genuinely astonishing. But you probably already have like 80 to 90% of the toolkit you need to play this game. Like absolutely jump in and experience what like I genuinely think is the best game on PS5 at the moment. Yeah, it is. it is a way less intimidating game than I think sometimes we have thought it to be going up to it because of oh it's this complicated time loop you know uh cat and mouse game with all these intricate systems and we're talking about all those intricate systems but you're totally right the game does a fantastic job of warming you up into this world and, and really letting you not feel like you're just let loose and good luck have fun but it, it really teaches you the fundamentals of what you need to know and yeah i've i've been having a blast and again totally encourage people to go check out matt's review uh written and videos on IGN, and of course the video version is also on uh, YouTube as well. Uh, and if you're playing Deathloop, let us know your thoughts either in the comments or you can write into beyond at IGN.com. And I'm sure we'll be talking about this game a bit in the months to come, especially as we get into year-end sort of thoughts and considerations. So uh, definitely let us know what you all think. Uh, I do want to move on, though, to another PlayStation topic just to make sure that we touch on, uh, which is today uh, the next major PlayStation uh, 5 firmware update is live. I know firmware updates are just exciting as brand new 10 out of 10 masterpieces. Uh, but uh, I do want to mention this one because this has been in beta test for a while uh, since I believe July. And this is the one that lets you install new SSD drives. So you're able to uh, get a third party uh, SSD drive. It does need to match up to the specifications that PlayStation has set forth and essentially be able to live up to the internal SSD. Uh, but you are now able to uh, install compatible ones, and they range from you know 250 gigs to four terabytes, which is a lot more than the current system memory. Uh, Lucy, I'd, I'd not to blow up your spot, but you and I were talking about this yesterday. Of like, we've been managing well enough deleting and not deleting things, but like, yeah, I kind of want a bigger hard drive. Mm -hmm. I want a bigger. I don't want a bigger hard drive. I mean, you know, I I hate that it shipped with such a small one. Frankly, like I wish it had been bigger from the jump. And that we sort of have to realistically these days with the size of games have to keep deleting stuff and making our library feel not like a library, you know, if you've got a if you buy mostly digital. Um, so I do want one. They're very expensive, are they? Mm -hmm. yeah. Very expensive. Like that's sort of where I'm at right now. I can't really justify spending that money I, until, I guess, until, you know, we really need it because right now, there isn't quite enough, but there's going to, you know, there's going to come to a point where, yes, I will absolutely purchase one, but 
God, they're expensive. I get it. It's just, whew. Yeah, they're they're. It's relatively more brand new tech, especially with the the speed that these SSDs are at. But uh, we mm. we do have some great resources on the website. Mm. Uh, Taylor, a previous guest on the show a few times, uh, and and the tech team have been doing a lot. So if you're looking for recommendations or resources for those things, please go check out all that stuff. I know Taylor in particular has been like an advocate of. I don't want people to go buy the wrong SSD and feel like they put something in their system that messes things up that they didn't need. There's a lot of uh, back and forth about whether to get SSDs with a heatsink or not with a heatsink. Taylor, I believe, recommends to absolutely get a heatsink in there. Uh, there. There's all these different things um, that I definitely go recommend. People check out our coverage to kind of help them along the way. Uh, but this update also does introduce a few other things uh, on the like software uh, side of things, the UI specifically, uh, including some control center customization and uh, advancements to game base, which is where your your groups and your friend list and all that stuff are in. Uh, so you can now freely customize your control center and rearrange uh, kind of everything a bit more than you could previously. Uh, you can now more easily view and write messages to friends and parties directly in the game base rather than having to like hop out necessarily. Um, there's now the, uh, this is obviously the biggest one, you can now give the accolade of leader to people in multiplayer. Moving on from there, you can also, <laughs> uh, th there's a few other things, including the fact that they've now built in uh, TV speaker 3D audio support, which is a really cool thing. So you don't need uh, 3D compatible headphones to be able to simulate it. Obviously, it will be a very different experience uh, through a TV speaker, but that is now an option that you can kind of calibrate for. Uh, and just a few other various things in there. We, uh, a few of us on the IGN staff got uh, beta access to a while ago. And I will say for me, as I said, back in July, uh, the biggest thing is that trophies are now vertical instead of that stupid horizontal thing. Man, is that better? That's so <laughs> much better. Oh my God, is that a much better way? And there's also now like trophy tracking. So you can kind of pin like, these are the five trophies I want to focus on. They make them more easily accessible in like the card system and, and for references, uh, small things here or there. Uh, but just to like briefly go through it, Brian, I just wanted to sit with you like now that, uh, roughly a year in almost, how do you feel about the PS5 UI? It's it's obviously a big overhaul from last gen, mm -hmm. which they made a big deal about. There were some things I think they made a bigger deal about than they've been for us to actually use. But like, where do you sit with it and what do you feel you either most love or like most needs to change at this point? Um, yeah, that's an interesting question because I, I don't, I still don't think I'm totally in love with the PS5 UI. I think that they're consistently making it slightly better, which is nice. Um, a lot of the features that um, were, I, I think that we were sort of counting on to be pretty big before launch are stuff that generally doesn't really apply to me or I don't really use very often. I It's, it's, it's a very frustrating scenario because I appreciate the hell out of the sort of minimalism of it. Um, on a glance, it is clean and, and beautiful and uncluttered. Um, in moment-to-moment -moment use, I feel like something gets sort of lost versus the PS4s. I do miss themes. Um, I think that just having like these big splash images that change constantly are are you know not as sort of enticing to me as having you know like a a cool Bloodborne Platinum theme that I earned and had to call customer support to get you know because I was so <laughs> proud of like stuff like that. I think is like yeah. 
it's shocking that they took out a way to monetize your experience. I will say. I, yeah, because... I, I find that really, I find that really interesting. Um, I, I, I understand why because they they wanted something that was obviously a lot more clean and deliberate, and it makes sense. I love being able to tab over to the store. I think that's like much easier than hitting that store button and hoping it would load, which I feel like one out of five, five times it wouldn't. Um, there's yeah, there's some some stuff that's a little cumbersome there, but I I appreciate that it's that it's growing and it's improving. Uh, like, I, I don't know, we, the, all of the, all the consoles got firmware updates this week or, or new, you know, new features added. And like, I, I play my switch a lot that, that is basically fundamentally exactly what it was at launch. Um, mm -hmm. and that's and now there's Bluetooth. Yeah. Bluetooth right. <laughs> yeah. They unlocked a feature that was already there uh, yeah. from, you know, <laughs> it's true potential, but yeah, yeah. So I, I, I will take something that, you know, Sony's obviously looking at what's working and they're actively improving it. And I appreciate that over, you know, Nintendo. That's basically just like this is what it looked like at launch. This is what it'll look like when the system gets sunsetted in a few years. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's not perfect yet, but it's getting better, and I dig that. I I do want themes to come back. I, yeah. I I I'm totally with you, Jonathan. I don't understand how they just like shut down. That was probably decent revenue for them. I know I put I put a couple bucks into that machine. You know. Oh yeah, I, I at least bought you know five or six of them and. They're they're not expensive, but I imagine that builds up over time because it's a one-time published thing and then it's good to go. It's weird. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just like to think of that, uh, just your comparison to Switch. I so remember the day we got the Switch and it was like, oh, there are different themes. Oh, it's, it's light and dark mode. Well, this will be really cool when they put like a Mario theme in for the anniversary or like a Breath of the Wild. And we just, there's nothing there yet. No. Um, Matt, where where do you stand with the, the UI overall? I know we haven't uh, spoken to you about it on the show before, but like what are, what are your sort of overall thoughts on it? Uh, as it I stands? think very aligned with Brian there. I almost think there's like, it's really sleek, but quite a lot of kind of like missed real estate where I could have things that are just a bit more at my fingertips. There's a lot of, scrolling left to right and i feel the playstation 4 ui allowed me to go to where i needed to in less button presses um correct me if i'm wrong there's still no way to like group games together right i used to have kind of like service folders games in and, one box and yeah i i don't think there are folders yet which is mm -hmm. i remember a, a, they were a very big deal for ps4 and yeah it's that's the weird thing where you know and i know people hate it when we do but it's just an interesting sort of generational change xbox between generations literally made it so it was identical they they updated to make it as seamless as possible to be identical uh for the most part and then playstation overhauled and so there's a lot of really cool stuff but it sometimes feels like they didn't learn some of the lessons from the ps4's ui that they mm -hmm. already went through this process of yeah i think in terms of graphic design i think it's a real leap but um in terms of functionality i think it's still got kind of a little bit of growth to go before it gets to where i need it to be Totally. Uh, and, and Lucy, anything for you other than, of course, our uh, our main criticism on the show, why did they swip the power on and off? I still hate it. I still hate it. The PlayStation button. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, I do want to make one little complaint. Um, I wish that PlayStation had, like, like Xbox. You can have a single account on Xbox. It doesn't matter where in the world you are. On PlayStation, your accounts are region locked. So now, okay, this is, I told this story to my girlfriend and she was so bored that I was like, <laughs> I, I deeply apologize, but I have to like purge it like the exorcist. So I'm not going to yeah. recount it here because I'll bore everyone. I was going to say she was so bored. You're like, I need to tell this on the air to thousands of people. 
Oh, I'm not. I, I was like, I'm, that's a real narcissistic move, but I've chosen, <laughs> I've chosen not to. Um, but I will say that I have now four PSN accounts, like, and I've got like an American one that I had to build. And I locked myself out of my last American one because I forgot the password for the email address that I had to make specific. You can see why my girlfriend was really bored. But all I want to say is that I really hope that one day that PlayStation accounts aren't region locked because having lived in New Zealand, Australia, and now the US, uh, it's just it, it, like all, you know, all my stuff is like continually gone. Like all of my trophies, like I've had to just give them away. And now I've got like this crappy little like loose USA 16 account. Like I don't <laughs> even have like a cool, my cool original handle you know what i mean it's just extremely mm -hmm. frustrating so if anyone's listening please fix that because i'm pissed off <laughs> <laughs> and uh if you're also listening i guess girlfriend lucy via her username oh yeah um I think millions, it's look millions of us have lived in those specific three countries so i could see no no I, yeah. i'm i'm with you it's just it's one of those oh. things that they could probably they could definitely make easier yeah fix it can't yeah. be that hard yeah, you Come just you, you just update the file a little bit. We're all engineers here. Um yeah, but just no, hit I, refresh. <laughs> uh just hit refresh. Uh yeah, it's I, I think to, to all of your points, it's nice to see things are continuing to get better, but yeah, I think there's still a bit of a way to go till it gets to the the place where it it felt really great by the end of the PS4 lifecycle. And as excited as I was for a new UI, because it's cool and futuristic and feels different, it's mm -hmm odd to still be facing some similar problems it feels like were figured out five or six years ago um but again uh obviously the biggest thing is for you know the wider audience to be able to swap in get a bit more uh storage space please go check out all of our coverage from the tech team on ign uh you can look up m.2 ssd expansion on ign you'll find plenty uh but definitely uh check things out before you buy because there are a lot of different varied options and as everyone said they're sometimes really really expensive um, moving on from there, though, just briefly want to mention uh, a story that came out after last week's showcase. Uh, obviously, the biggest surprise reveal, I think, for most of us was uh, Insomniac's Wolverine game, uh, which is being developed at the same time they're doing a Spider-Man game. Uh, and of course, I, it seemed to, I guess, naturally raise some questions about the scope of both of these titles. Uh, but shortly after uh, its announcement, uh, Brian Horton uh, who we previously spoke to on the show uh, as the director of Miles Morales, uh, which of course we love that game, uh, was answering some questions on Twitter from people uh, and made sure to say that specifically, like this is a full-size game. They're aiming for a mature tone. Uh, it's sort of, it is a like full standalone, actual full-size game. Um, I wasn't concerned either way personally, but I, I think we can all speak to um, at least Brian and Lucy. I know when we were covering My Miles Morales, the whole like, size and scope of the game and is it worth your purchase because of that was such a debate among people and i know that like obviously people only have a limited amount of money to spend on games every year it is a a hobby and and a thing that is um you know additional to our lives but i do think like it it started to raise this nature of like how high a quality does it need to be to be worth your dollar which felt like a really unfair thing to ask of a lot of devs at once i i think mm -hmm. was sort of the debacle there but um i i guess just to briefly touch on it brian was there any concern you had about the scope of what this game might be um does this you know no not for a second history? yeah no um but i also like i feel like uh people people saw this is the miles morales team and they automatically assume that this team can only 
make sort of smaller shaped games. Um, and this is obviously a unique scenario. Again, none of us, we don't really know more about this game than than you all do looking at the teaser. But this is, I don't think this is going to be a thing where they just like lift a bunch of sort of architecture and assets from an existing game and build an, a new story on top of it, which is what they did with Miles and successfully and and made something that felt like a full a full product, right? Um, so I think this is going to be a new thing. Don't worry. They will charge you $70 for this game. They will, <laughs> they will charge you full price for this game, and it will be $70. Rest assured, they will find a way to get every penny of that. There will probably be a, an even more expensive version of it, you know, that has its classic costume. It'll be like a $150 edition with a statue. They'll get your money. Don't worry. Uh, the um, special edition actually comes just with three blades. Just three, three <laughs> blades you can, you can attach to your hand or just use in the kitchen. It's great. Finally. Um, um, look... I've got to bounce in like three minutes, so I'm just yes. going to add my two cents here. I just, you know, the thing that infuriates me about like anyone thinking, oh, it's just going to be like Miles Morales. It's like, who would get the Wolverine license and say, we've decided we're going to make this a five hour experience for children. Like, it's just, it's, you know, it's not, it's, no one would say that. No one would buy, no one would be like, yeah, we're going to keep this a, a you know, a soft G uh it's gonna be a dlc like come on like it's just it's just ridiculous that anyone could sort of i don't know it's it's the same as, as what altano said like just because a dev team has made one type of game doesn't mean that they can't make another type of game you know right. we're, we're, we're all versatile humans at the end of the day and That's and the whole thing about Mar miles at the end of it was like it was a very fully featured game and yes it was the same in the world but like yeah it, it, there was a lot more, you know, new art and things that went into that. A lot of really clever new side things. I love that game kind of more than the base game. Obviously, it refined, yeah, me too. Actually, yeah, it refined what was made in that first game. And obviously, these teams are all working together, so it's a weird thing to be like that team did it better because there's a lot of people I'm sure who cross over. But it's like Miles was smaller because it helped them to be able to get it out faster. I'm sure in a certain way, like we we got miles probably quicker than had we waited for something that was 30 40 hours right and it's a it's a great game because it feels complete and and packaged and and what it is and i'm sure they're going to make wolverine the scope that they feel they need to make a wolverine game i'm i'm glad i also didn't doubt for a second but i'm glad they did say the mature tone thing because i'm sure there's someone out there who would have been like oh they're make, gonna make him goofy like spider-man even though they wouldn't do that but well, they're just uh, different characters aren't they yeah like to you know to to be fair uh i would play the hell out of an x-men uh animated series yes. video game if Absolutely. they did something like that but yeah. also like to to build on this like what is your favorite children's movie that begins with a grown man in a bar with blood on his hands <laughs> right <laughs> like that is that's the only thing we've seen in this game it's a bar fight that starts with a man who has bloody hands that uh grow swords mm -hmm. and he's he's at, at a place that only sells alcohol you know and i chips. mean notoriously that's the way fern gully opens but other than that <laughs> your, your point still stands that was great i was um, gonna, i was thinking of some wise crack and that was better than anything i could have come up with hey guys i have to bounce i'm so sorry i got a little early no worries um but it's Go been a it. pleasure chatting and um matt it was a delight to see you and talk definitely with you yeah it's been great we'll talk to you later lucy uh and Bye, lucy feel free to just swap things around as needed uh and we'll we'll just keep going but yeah before we we hop off this matt any other thoughts on uh wolverine i know we were jumping back and forth about the jokes but mm -hmm. obviously uh 
you weren't here when we were covering sort of the whole Miles Morales of it all, but uh, obviously we all ended up loving that game pretty highly. What, what are you, what are your sort of excitement levels for? I think Spider Man Two and Wolverine right now. Uh, like pretty high. Like it's it's a it's such a cliche, but Miles Morales is all killer no filler. That's kind of the beauty of that game. Yeah. And as much as I'm like really into the idea of Spider Man Two, like Wolverine, like I love watching devs find new flavors and find their feet doing new genres. The Wolverine game quite clearly isn't going to be a game about swinging through New York. Like that setting already suggests that. I mean, there's Easter eggs in it to suggest that it might be Madripoor, a very, very different city in the in the Marvel universe compared mm-hmm. to New York. Yeah. But wherever it's set, you know, if we get to go to like Canada and go through kind of the forests of that kind of area, wherever it is, Wolverine is not a character that works like Spider-Man, which means it will be a different type of game. And I'm very excited to see what the quality of that studio is applied to presumably a game where I get to impale people on the end of my fist swords a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah well, we straight up don't know if it's an open world game yet, right? Yeah, we, yeah, we know nothing. Mm-hmm. We don't know that, and I would be inclined to say it probably isn't. I would imagine it has open world hubs to mm-hmm. it to a certain extent, but like in the same way that Ratchet and Clank went to different locations, that's kind of what Insomniac has done more often than Sunset and Spider Man in terms of open world. So they can do both very well. So I I wouldn't be surprised, uh, especially with some of the level design in Rift Apart, uh, that was a bit more open if we get a more modular level-based game, but they are some pretty big, like a section or a neighborhood of Madripoor we might be in rather than it's just all set in Madripoor. But yeah, I mm-hmm. there's so much possible uh, possibility to it is, is kind of it. And that's the exciting part for me is like, I, after what they did with Miles, I trust Brian and, and his team and, and everyone working on it so implicitly, implicitly to like knock it out of the park again. I, I can't wait to see what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I just am really excited as an X-Men fan because it, you know, after so long of the X-Men kind of getting short shrift because Marvel and Disney didn't own the movie rights. I hope this means we're going to get more X-Men to come. Like I do hope that this is a, a sign that we're getting back to a place where they have an increased importance, but that's probably a conversation for another day. No, I totally um, agree with you. I, I hope we get there and really just want, uh, I think you had suggested it jokingly, like very quickly, but a Gambit game would be very cool. I, um, I would love that. I mean, so the, what I love about the Wolverine scenario is that it brings in obviously a bunch of themes and settings and stories and characters that you didn't really get with Spider-Man. Um, Spider-Man is, is, is quippy and inherently campy and Wolverine definitely has uh, some of that as well. But like the, the point of the Spider-Man games are you're flipping around Manhattan and then you, and then you're dive bombing into groups of thugs, you're beating them up, you're going back up in the sky and you're collecting stuff. And Wolverine, I think that like there, it, there's, there's a lot of chance here to tell a darker story, to interact with, uh, enemies on a more sort of personal level. I think there'll be less like beating up six or seven thugs in a room and more sort of like, uh, heavier encounters with that are a little bit more one-on-one but then again we don't really know i do know that this team has done with the both spider-man games they've done uh stuff that has been tonally serious and dark at times like i i don't think that people give uh the the studio the credit for for that kind of stuff because they're people think about the suits and they think about like the one-liners and stuff like that but there are there are very serious and dark moments in those games and i think that this is a this team is very capable of expanding on that. Um, they have some great writers working on this one that have done some really interesting stuff in the past. And so 
I can't wait. It, it definitely feels like it's going to be years and years away before we really know what this is and, you know, before we're playing it. But I'm just I'm just really happy it's a thing that it's that's getting made. Yeah. It, it's really cool to see. Uh, before we wrap up and, and get to some of the end of show stuff, uh, Matt, just because you weren't on last week, anything else that really stood out from you from the PlayStation Showcase that we, you were really excited by, surprised by, um, just wanted to open the floor to you? I mean, I, I suppose God of War is the, the big mm-hmm. deal, right? Like everybody had been waiting for that. And it's again one of those those situations where it didn't show a huge amount of what's new, but it's a reminder of why that game is special, why that world in particular is so special. And knowing, like, you already know that that game is not going to ship as, it's just God of War, but we we put a new storyline in it. You know that it's an ambitious team with kind of like, it's not that they've got anything to prove, but they want to put something out into the world that's, you know, real strong. So just the knowledge that that is now there just being able to see it kind of helps you feel like closer to that eventual release date and knowing that you're going to once again be able to find like the secrets that are hidden in that world of which that game is so good at yeah they they very much feel like a team that i'm sure you know playstation really wanted a sequel to happen but it feels like they wanted to make sure they were doing a sequel they wanted to do and not just because it felt like it had to um and and speaking of that uh between episodes if you didn't see uh, i spoke to actually uh, Corey Barlog and Eric Williams, who is the new director uh, for God of War Ragnarok, uh, and spoke to both of them uh, together, sort of about the transfer of power as director. Uh, Eric's really, really long history with God of War, working with Corey in particular, uh, work that he did on 2018, and how fundamental he was to sort of Corey and the team's vision there. Uh, it was a really, really um, like gratifying chat because it. it um, you know, I I very much trust Corey saying I'm going to transfer power to someone else as director, uh, but getting to speak to Eric and getting to know him, who uh, he is a brilliant human who isn't on Twitter, uh, so he lives his life free of social media. But uh, getting to hear from him, sort of about his vision, his goals, his his reasons for wanting to uh, make the sequel, uh, really really made me feel like okay, Ragnarok is is in really great hands and and is going to be something special. So. Uh, definitely go check out those pieces. We have like three or four up on IGN. Uh, it was a really great chat. But uh, yeah, before before we wrap up, I do just want to briefly touch on uh, anything else we've been playing. Uh, Brian, I'll start with you. Uh, I know you've mentioned in weeks past as well, you've been jumping back into Far Cry, but anything else uh, specifically or just from that series that's really <laughs> been grabbing your attention recently? No, not really. I, I mean, I played through a bunch of Far Cries. I'm, I'm excited for the new one very soon. Uh, and I have been... Playing Deathloop, obviously, like we were talking about before, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm starting uh, Toem. I guess that's how you say it. Oh yeah, I played weekend, a little bit of which, that as well. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. It's it looks kind of Link's Awakening ish, which is one of my favorite games. Um, it's on it's on PS5, so you can play it there. It's all black and white. It's very charming, sort of like photography game. It looks very different than anything else I've been playing this year. So uh, I'm I'm very down to to give that one a shot. It's it's very cute and very peaceful. And uh, Rebecca, our, our viewer, Rebecca Valentine, gave it, I believe, an eight, uh, and said it's only like a three or four hour mm-hmm. uh, game. So it's it's very it's very great as like sort of a weekend game to jump into. But yeah, it's really sweet and peaceful and and charming in a joyful way. So I, I definitely recommend people go go check that one out when it uh, comes out this Friday. I think. Uh, Matt, what about you? Anything other than Deathloop, Deathloop, of course, which I know took up a lot of time, but anything else you've been mm-hmm. playing recently? 
Yeah, uh, this week I've played through the Artful Escape, but I think unfortunately that's not on uh, on PlayStation, is How it? Which is you. a shame because it's uh, it's wonderful. I've, um, I've heard really good things, but yeah, I haven't gotten to jump into it yet. Yeah, yeah, an absolute delight. But the other thing I've been playing, uh, Psychonauts, which is, despite the fact is, again, one of these Microsoft <laughs> kind of games, but because it was multi-platform before the Microsoft buyout, um, that is available on PlayStation. And that is also a, a huge delight. I've been a, like, Tim Schafer games were kind of my onboarding to video games. Like, Monkey Island was a very, very early game for me. So it's been lovely over my life to kind of just keep dipping back into his kind of catalogue and seeing what he's made with Psychonauts, which is... Like this sequel is a really kind of beautifully touching game about kind of actually dealing with, whereas before it was kind of the the novelty of jumping into people's minds. I think a game that's been made in a world where a bit more kind of like understanding of mental health and the way that kind of like it affects us all, seeing that kind of gamified and like creating a, a protagonist that's entirely about um, emotion and kind of by being empathetic to the people whose minds he's in is something that's done really, really well, a very characterful game with plenty of really cool kind of platforming systems in there that make it very, very satisfying to play. Yeah, I, I think that game does a really great job of balancing, like, addressing very serious and important discussions around mental health without being like, here is a, a didactic lesson about why you should care about your mental health or things like that. Like, it, it blends into that very colorful, vibrant, enchanting kind of world in, in a really smart and clever way you're you're totally right on that it's it's a joy and i definitely recommend people check it out uh there's not a ps5 dedicated version but there is ps4 and of course it's it's backwards compatible uh only other game i wanted to shout out also i've been playing lost in random a little bit which is from zoink uh it's the latest ea original uh, i i'm only maybe a couple hours in but i really love the ingenuity of that team they did a uh, ghost giant for psvr a few years back and uh lost in random is basically uh, a game with a sort of like Tim Burton Nightmare Before Christmas or uh, like a studio's Coraline art style to it. It very looks like it's stop motion-y almost um, where you're playing as a uh, uh, a character whose uh, sibling has been taken away and you're on a quest to save her through this realm where random uh, rules and and the roll of a dice kind of affects everything in life. Uh, the the gameplay is really charming. The combat is this mix of like card based and and sort of random based. Like the rolls you get of of your card hand affect what powers you have. It's really cute. It's really clever. Uh, it's really funny at times, unexpectedly. Uh, I definitely recommend going to check that one out. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, before we wrap up, uh, Matt, I just wanted to throw to you. Uh, we haven't gotten any new memory card stories in the past week, so if you'd like to write in please write in uh, to beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card. Uh, but memory card is a weekly segment. My light is mad at me for, for <laughs> continuing the show. Uh, it's a weekly segment where we uh, have viewers and listeners at home write in with their stories about their PlayStation gaming life. Uh, but Matt, since, since this is your uh, time on the show, I wanted to see if there was any PlayStation story that came to mind, anything you want to share from, from your gaming history. Uh, if not, and you feel too on the spot, I understand. <laughs> I mean, you just saying memory cards does bring me back to being at school um very like i'd be maybe about 15 maybe maybe 13 i can remember people used to give me their memory cards so i could get them ahead past a mission that was in vice city obviously a game i should not have been playing but there's a mission where you have to use a tank um and it, it was 
at least in my school was notoriously difficult to get past, but I'd figured it out. So I used to have like a trade on the bus where people would give me their memory cards and I'd take it home and do the quest that night and then bring it back to them in the morning. That's so amazing. To link that's so cool. the idea of memory card to PlayStation memory, that's uh, that's a deal. That's really funny. I, I love the idea of this like underground memory card trading ring that you're basically <laughs> orchestrating. Uh, that's that's so cool. I, I love that idea. That's that's really funny. Uh, and thank you for sharing that. That's that's such a cool uh, memory card specific story. Uh, so, so thank you for sharing that. Uh, before we wrap up, anything to plug? Matt, of course, people can go check out your Deathloop review, uh, but any other work that you want to point people toward? There's actually, if you do really love uh, love Deathloop or love the idea of kind of like arcane games and want to know how they're done, uh, if you head to IGN and look under the Deathloop kind of section of the, the site, you'll find uh, a video there called Dishonored to Deathloop. It's also on our YouTube channel. And that is a, a set of interviews with the creative director of Deathloop that I've been working on since 2019 so there are so there are interviews from back then from when we could literally sit in a room with each other and then interviews from during the death loop kind of like publicity section which are done over the internet but that chronicles how they make games and how that now applies to death loop so there's all stuff about how they build their levels how they build their worlds how they think about powers and weapon design um, and also why um, like playtesting is significantly paramount to those games. Like as Lucy was saying, the idea of something going wrong in that game and causing all the dominoes to collapse, um, that's something that they have to think about from pretty much the, the first sheet of paper that goes down in the design document. Um, I'm really proud of that. And I hope people really like it because it's, it's a genuinely fascinating chat. That's awesome. Yeah, people should definitely go check that out. And as you said, it's on IGN and YouTube as well for people to look up. Uh, Brian, anything on your end that you want to point people toward before we wrap up? Uh, I have a bunch of cool stuff coming up that I can't really talk about yet. But in the meantime, I've been um, like helping sort of lead the charge on what the daily fix looks like every day. Um, and that's been super fun. I've been hosting it every Tuesday and I've just been putting more and more uh, sort of like op-ed shaped things into that show. And no one's told me to stop. So I'm going to keep <laughs> doing that. Um, but yeah, if you want, if you're okay with having like news stories with a little bit of opinion and some humor thrown in, um, check out the Daily Fix every Tuesday. Obviously, all of the hosts who take turns on that show do a phenomenal job with it, but mine are specifically weird. So go check those out if you want. I I loved your 20 minute uh, sort of ethics class on Bib Fortuna that you did a couple. Yeah, of I don't think a lot yeah. talk about some of the deeper cut characters from the Jabba's Palace, yeah. Return of the Jedi scene. Um, and also he made an appearance in the Mandalorian much larger. Yes. As many of us have gotten over the years. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that true? Uh, but yes, definitely go check out Brian and the team's work on the daily fix. Uh, and as I mentioned, uh, go check out those God of War interviews. Uh, Corey and Eric were very giving of their time and, and their thoughts on, on the creative process for those games. So please go check that out. Uh, but that is going to pretty much wrap us up for this week's episode. So thank you, Brian and Matt for joining me. Uh, for this week's Beyond. Thank you to Lucy, but she's not here anymore, so whatever. Uh, and thank you to Tayo, our producer, for making the show happen. And thank you to everyone out there listening and watching. We hope you're safe. We hope you're well. And as always, Beyond. 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 You said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. 
And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.